I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is a podcast with the opinion that progressive politics can change the world. I'm your host, Hannah Shah, and this week I'm particularly smug as I'm currently celebrating the miracle that is freedom of movement and rounding off what I hope has been a restful bank holiday for all of us by eating my weight in French cheese. So today we've got my colleague and pro-European campaigner extraordinaire, Joe Cox, speaking to Citizens UK about community organising. I absolutely love learning about this and I'm sure you will too. As always, enjoy. Democracy is a way of life and not a formula to be preserved like jelly. It is a process, a vibrant, loving sweep of hope and progress which constantly strives for the fulfilment of its objective in life, the search for truth, justice and the dignity of man. There can be no democracy unless it is a dynamic democracy. When our people cease to participate, to have a place in the sun, then all of us will wither in the darkness of decadence. All of us will become mute, demoralised, lost souls." Those inspiring words are the words of American organiser Saul Alinsky in his book, Reveil for Radicals. He went on to set up the Industrial Areas Organisation, the community organising network whose UK sister organisation, Citizens UK, still campaigns today on the streets of the UK, as well as in its churches, mosques, synagogues, schools and community halls. We are joined today by Citizens UK organiser Charlotte Fisher. Charlotte, hello. Hello. How nice it is to be here and what a view from your window. Well, we are really glad to uh, glad to have you. For those of you that don't know from the Progress Windows, um, you can see the House of Commons and it looks good this morning. Yeah, I think we're having a better morning than anyone that's in there right now. I think you're probably right, yeah. <laughs> I think you're, you're definitely right. And we get the pleasure um, of chatting about community organising this morning as well, while they get to run around and try and work out how they're going to vote. So I think <laughs> yes. we are definitely doing a I lot better. I used to be here, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Charlotte, to kick us off, if you could tell us a bit about Citizens UK, so it's the organisation that you work for. Mm. Um, who are citizens? What do they do? Um, what are their goals? Mm. So we sometimes are a bit confusing for people to understand, but at our base, we are an alliance of 450 other organisations. So schools, mosques, synagogues, unions, trade um, trade unions, migrants associations, university student unions who come together to work for the common good. 
And unlike maybe some other charities that start with a campaign, so, you know, they might be a housing charity or they might be a anti-sexism charity or different kinds of charities that already start with what they know, we start with the idea of a group of people who are going to work together on whatever issues they want to work on. And the idea is that, you know, if you, it basically comes down to power. Do you have enough power to make the change you want? And if you do, then one year you might want to work on getting some local refugees to the area and another year you might want to work on improving local housing. And so what we have is a methodology about how to make that change, which starts with lots and lots of listening. So Cardiff Citizens launched with, I think, 10,000 individual face-to-face conversations and that had two aims one is to figure out what were the things that people really cared about and to make sure it's not just you know things they read about in the Guardian but things that actually mattered and the second was to build enough social capital between all the different groups that are members of Cardiff Citizens that they would go to act together and then once they've done their listening and they've done their research and they figure out what they want to take action on we support those communities to take action and to win and then to start listening to think about what's next. That's great. That that's really really great. And so the the one to one conversations that you talk about, mm. can you tell me a bit more about them, about how they work. Um, mm. Is it it's a technique kind of of sort of citizens organising? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of delve into it a little. Sure. And I mean, I don't know if it's okay for us to say, but you know, you and I used to work together when you were one of the, uh, what did you call them? Big names on campus. What's the cool term for students? (laughs) Uh, Knox at Middlesex. And uh, Joe's being very modest, but actually helped to organize to make sure that Barnet accepted 50 Syrian refugees. Um, But the idea is that you start with people, that people are what matters, you know, in Alinsky's phrase, a place in the sun. And so if we think about, um, you know, the work we did in Barnet, some of the people that led that included a rabbi of a local synagogue and a student union leader who also happened to be the head of a PALSOC group. And often we'd assume that those people might have nothing in common, that they're going to be on opposite ends. But actually, if you sit them down and talk and they can hear, oh, actually, this really matters. We both really care about whether our local area is welcoming to refugees. And also they get to see each other as people, that you start with that. You don't start with pre-identified ideological positions. You start with the idea that people are what is at the centre and that um, we might all disagree on lots of different political things, but we have to be able to be in a democracy together. We have to be able to have some sense that our futures are bound together and we have to be able to respect each other even if we don't agree on everything and to find the areas of commonality. But the other thing that really matters is it it means that people understand a bit better. So when we are organising on, for example, the living wage, not everyone is going to know what it means to live below the living wage. But if you sit people down and they say, well, you know, I can't buy my kids school shoes this year. Actually, on a cold Thursday night, when you otherwise don't want to leave your house because it's raining and miserable in January in London, you will go out if you know the person that you are going out for, if you've met the cleaners in the company that we're going to take action on and so part of it is is kind of theoretical in that we believe that people should be at the center but part of it is also just really practical that if we're going to organize turnout and we're going to get different groups involved in each other's struggles they have to know and care about each other yeah absolutely um and I, I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up the living wage. Um, so um, the living wage, for those of you that don't know, is one of Citizens' um, major uh, campaigns that it's run, um, I think, in modern history. Um, I think it's often one of the things that's not attributed to Citizens UK. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things that everyone sort of heard of in some way, but aren't 100% sure where it came from. Would you be able to talk to us a bit about um, about the living wage? Um, I know that with <laughs> yes. achievements for most people, they want to talk about their goal. But for community organisers, I think the journey to get to the goal mm. is often as important if not more important Mm. than the goal itself. So would you be able to talk a bit about 
um, the the story, which I already know is a fascinating story that led up to uh, the beginning of the living wage campaign. Would you be able to talk yeah, about that a bit more absolutely. and then tell us about how you got to where we are absolutely, now? Absolutely, because if people feel like they understand a political system and they can act on things that make a difference to their lives and they're not alone and there are other people that are going to act with them, all kinds of better things happen, even in addition to whatever campaigns you win. So, so the living wage campaign, I mean, the idea is, is old, but we started building the living wage campaign gosh, almost probably two decades ago now. And it was in East London. And we did a lot of listening with parents who said, I am really struggling to earn enough money and have my parental responsibilities. So for example, I'm I'm working 10 hour shifts or, you know, 15 or 16 hour shifts because my hourly rate is so low. And then after that, I'm getting the bus home instead of the tube, which takes, you know, an hour and a half instead of 20 minutes because I can't afford the tube. And I am really concerned about the impact this is having on my family. And we, you know, I think it was a thousand people. I think it was East London Mosque was our uh, assembly where we held that. And there's beautiful photos of it. And we came up with this idea of what, what would it look like if we could build a campaign that said, um, that, you know, a, a hard day's work should require a dignity of salary. If you work, that the work is the surest way out of poverty, that it should be a way out of poverty, that we believe that you should, that work should have a dignity in it. And we built the living wage campaign. Originally, it was seen as really radical. I mean, one of my colleagues used to hide in um, office blocks at like 5am to try and meet the cleaners and get chased out by dogs. But we built this idea and our first kind of public action about it was at HSBC. There was, we bought shares in HSBC and we trotted along to their AGM. And at the AGM, uh, Sir John Bond, who was the head at the time, opened it up for questions. And we had brought with us Abdul Durant, who was a cleaner at HSBC. And he stands up and he says, Sir John Bond, you and I work in the same office. And Sir John Bond is like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm the CEO. I don't think you understand. I don't, I don't share an office. And Abdul Durant says, no, no, Sir John Bond, I'm your cleaner. You and I, after you are finishing your office, I come in and clean it. And you and I work in the same office, but we live in different worlds. How can it be that you can announce profits like this? And me and my colleagues are taking home, I think it was at that point, around £6 an hour. And... And I mean, two weeks later, Sir John Bond agreed to meet with us and HSBC were one of the first places to go living wage. And we now, you know, think we've put £400 million back into the pocket of the working poor. And we've got about 40% of the FTSE 100 paying for it and a whole bunch of community organisations. And the idea is that if someone is working full time, they should be able to, to live. That's like a really basic ask. Um, and it's calculated unlike the national minimum wage according to what the actual cost of living is. So the national minimum wage is based on what the market can bear. That is how it's decided. It's a it's a negotiated floor. Whereas the living wage, the real living wage, is calculated according to what people need. And we do something called a social need perceived index. So every year we refresh what would you need to have a basic standard of life. And that is voted on by thousands and thousands of people to make sure that we're up to date with realistically what do you need. So it's not luxurious. It doesn't mean you can take a holiday, but it does mean that, you know, once in a while you might be able to take your children to the cinema or to get a takeaway. And we calculate a London rate and a national rate. And then we campaign for organisations that can afford to do it, that they really should be, that it's not right that the top levels of salary might be getting millions and millions. And yet the cleaners can be working all the hours they can and just not have enough to eat. That doesn't feel right in a modern Britain. That is, uh, that's a truly amazing story. Um, <laughs> and it is, um, for me, the bit that stands out is um, about 
Abdul mm. um, and the, the bravery that he did. Mm. He, you know, I, if that was me in that position and someone said, why don't you, you know, just go talk to the CEO. Come risk your job and come I talk to the CEO. Yeah, never move from my seat. Right. Um, what was the work that went into sort of working with Abdul to what? get him to a place? Was he a natural born leader? And was Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a superstar. He's a superstar. But, up, or, but know, all did, political did education some... takes time, right? And one of the things we know is that when you feel alone, anatomized, you are less likely to act. And if you feel in solidarity and that other people are with you, you are more likely and so one of the things that's really I mean consent is really important to us informed consent when people take action but also really important to us is that it's never just the cleaners asking for more money it's also always the local head teachers who say things like you know my kids come in hungry and their parents work full time and they can't afford to eat and what we know now in Britain is that for the first time in a long time most children living in poverty live in a home where an adult works and so we build deliberate relationships with you know it can be cleaners it can be catering staff it can be all kinds of different groups of people and and them in relationship with their local community who say so you know we're, we're going after Manchester United at the moment that are not paying a living wage despite and paying their footballers yeah you know, they got I mean I'm a manufacturer we got the money <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely and um, we're organizing not just, you know, the local rabbis and priests, but also like Manu fans who say, hey, I care about this club and I love this club and I want the club to care about its own people too. And so I think that is one of the things that's really powerful. One is, you know, proving that it can work and when we work with um, workers, we we hopefully have a great set of track records. But, you know, I'm thinking about one of my colleagues, Amanda Walters, who organized um, workers in, in getting Heathrow to go living wage. And a number of the workers there were members of a particular church. And we worked really closely with the church that's in membership of citizens so that, you know, when they came to, to church, they also were told like what it means to be, you know, created in the image of God is that you should be given dignity. And how can we make this a space that also cares for you, not just for your souls, but for your bodies and the way that, you know, lots and lots of civic society organizations do all the time anyway um, and I think it's really powerful when we organize people not just by themselves not just them taking the risk but they know there are priests there are imams there are student union leaders there are rabbis there's everyone standing alongside them saying actually we're here with you and it's a communal matter that people are paid below that because it affects all kinds of things it doesn't just affect that family it affects the teachers and whether the kids go to school hungry it affects all of us over whether people are going to be too stressed when they work you know there's there's also a whole bunch of business benefits about paying people a living wage they're less likely to take time off sick they're less likely to turn over um so there's all kinds of benefits but the idea is that actually it's, it's a communal issue not just one person so it's almost almost as if if you treat your staff well and respect <laughs> them and sort of value them as human beings it's yeah make their life the possible <laughs> that they might actually be able to continue their work it's radical, radical really isn't idea. it <laughs> <laughs> so yes. i mean you know it's, it's obvious from what we just said that a lot of what citizens uk does is incredibly political mm. um what is the intersection between citizens uk and politics obviously mm. um, as an organization you would never back a major political party yeah we're not party that, political. there is a history of working with various political parties mm. um so what, what what is the intersection there and how does that work well i mean for me it goes back to that beautiful quote you shared of Alinsky's about democracy at the beginning and i i mean i'm a member of a political party myself and i still don't think that if well i think that if we only leave politics to political parties we've we've really lost something terribly sad because politics is about all the people and um, actually, we all are imbued with political rights separate to any party affiliation, right? We're allowed to vote. We're part of the civic society. And when we see when we see democracy as just as the exercise of voting every five years, that that is the minimum. That is the minimum bar of democracy. But also, if you leave it to that involvement, if you leave it to 
okay, well, these, you know, everyone else has made up their mind over what's going to be on the manifesto. And then my job is just to choose between like the options I like the most or least. That That is a really sad, minimal way of building democracy. So what we are doing is, you know, ahead of the um, mayoral elections in London, we had 6,000 people. We held it at the Copper Box in East London at the Olympic Park. And we had different people, including a student union leader, shout out to Ed Marsh, um, saying, this is what we need you to do. So we're not, we're not coming just as members of your party, although I think there's an absolute and really important role for political parties. We're coming and we're telling you, we need this kind of affordable housing bill. So, you know, at that point, Zach Goldsmith and Sadiq Khan, if you become mayor, will you do this? And for me, there's a real sadness that we've lost a sense of what politics is in that bigger sense, and that it's only now we tend to see it as political parties. So we're not party affiliated. Um, we've had interactions with both parties. We work well with both parties or both the main parties. We work well with any parties that you know want to work with us. But we are trying to reclaim the idea of politics as something that is bigger than party politics. That's fantastic. To uh, to wrap it up, um, if anyone listening today wants to get involved with Citizens UK, how can they do that? What are their next steps? Well. They it, it depends on where we are. We're geographically based, but go to our website, which is just citizensuk.org, see where we are in your local area, and you should be able to email whoever is organizing locally. And I'm sure they would love to meet you for a cup of tea. Fantastic. Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to spread the progressive word and subscribe, rate, and review. See you on Friday. been listening to the progressive britain podcast the music was one in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks for our fantastic and long-suffering producer caroline crampton mm-hmm.